Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code OPIE, O-P-I-E, at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping. You know Blue Chew helps you with your boners, right? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to my little live stream from the ocean. Yes, what's going on, man? Who do we got? Robert Spawn, what's up, brother? Good morning. Opie, hot summer day already. I thought it would be a lot warmer this morning. It's actually kind of chilly, but supposedly we're going to get up to 80 degrees way out here east on uh, Long Island. Uh, good evening from Australia. Good to see you, sir. What's up? Cheers. I ran out to the ocean because uh, there's a. <laughs> I'm a little nuts. I'm not going to lie to you. See you to- Shut up. My people out here, they're like, oh, you got to get out of here. There are fish in damn waters. And I knew it was going to be 80-something degrees. I'll give you the lay of the land. 80-something degrees at the ocean. My people are saying there might be fish in that ocean. Then uh, I got a whole bunch of people coming here over the weekend, so I'm going to clean the house a little bit. Then on top of that, uh, my son is on his first overnight trip with his school. They're down there in Washington, D.C., walking around the monuments. And then my daughter's like, I want to have a, I want to have a night with just me and mommy. So she basically pushed me out of the house with doggy. So here I am. I'm like, I'm not complaining. So it's, uh, it's going to be a nice day at the ocean, man. Andy Vollen, I'm getting my Opie Radio beer glass too. Thumb up. Thumb up. Did you lose a thumb, Andy Vollen? What happened to your thumb? I almost lost my thumb. For the, for the people that are young, they're not going to understand this, but we used to have to make our own orange juice. Yeah, we used to have to make our own orange juice. It would come in a can. It was frozen. And then you would take a can opener. We didn't really have electric can openers even. And yeah, open up the can. Is this bringing back a memory for people? And then you would push down the lid to get the goodness out. Then you fill the pitcher with some water and mix the whole thing, and you got your orange juice. So as a kid learning crap. I'm like, daddy, mama, I want to make my own orange juice. So I, um, I took the can opener and I opened up the uh, frozen orange juice can and it was still like kind of sticking out. So I went like this with my thumb and pushed the lid down and sliced it all the way across my thumb. I had so many damn stitches. It was one of those cuts where they had to stitch it inside and outside. And they're like, well, let's see if this, this is like, this is the good old 70s. Uh, I don't know. Let's just see what happens. There was always a, let's see what happens. I think it'll be all right, but we'll know in a few days. Because it was it was really, really bad. And to this day, I got a pretty a pretty gnarly scar on my left uh, my left thumb. Uh, they cut my thumb, Char. <laughs> Andy knows his movie lines. I used to love that movie line. They cut my thumb, Charlie. They cut my thumb. I think they cut it right off, right? And you know that was uh, Julia Roberts' brother, Eric Roberts. He was an actor for a while. He was a big deal. And then he went bye-bye. Making your own orange juice in your church house as cars fly into it at 80 miles an hour. I remember it well. Right on, Johnny Gibbons. 
I grew up with just in, insanity around me. The the stories we got growing up, I know would make a good book. I've told a lot of the stories. There are stories I've forgotten. You gotta remember, we were seven, eight, nine kids in a big house on Long Island that my dad paid cash for way back in the day. My dad used to make decent money in real estate and he was an entrepreneur. And then and then it would go cold for many, many years. Then he would hit for a little while and we would be okay for a bit. But he never really had a lot of money. Um, early in his life, he absolutely did. So when we started leaving the house, the seven, eight, nine kids, there were a lot of empty rooms. And my mom was paranoid that she was going to be on the street. So she, she would rent out our rooms, our childhood rooms to people. I haven't told these stories in a while. I, I love these stories. There was the Vietnam vet that had horrible PTSD and liked to drink. Oh, my dad was also the, the guy. He ran a church basketball league, and he, he did an incredible job. To this day, when I go back to, to the neighborhood and I see some, um, some old friends, they always bring up my dad's church uh, basketball league that he ran very professionally. And he's, he gave the whole community great, great memories. He needed a referee, so you know he would go to the bar or whatever. He wasn't a big drinker, but he liked to socialize. He, he would go to the bar. And one of the guys was a uh, was a uh, Vietnam vet with PTSD, and he's hanging out at the bar. That's that's where he wants to be. He that guy was a, a full blown alcoholic. My dad befriended the guy. My dad was always trying to take care of people. He's like, hey, you want to be a referee in my uh, in my in my uh, my basketball league? And the guy said, yeah. And he was the greatest guy. But the alcohol came first, so we would be little kids wondering why we don't have a referee because he wouldn't show up. <laughs> then my dad would, would begrudgingly put a whistle around his neck. You know, he wanted to run other things by the scenes. And he's like, "Ah, oh, damn it!" And we'd have to, have to run on the court and uh, referee games because the guy he really trusted and counted on was too busy at the bar. But he would show up here and there, and he would be really drunk and trying to referee the games. I mean, my dad meant well. But then he would um, he would go, oh, you need a place to stay, huh? You're kind of homeless. And he's like, yeah. So then next thing you know, the guy's living in our house. Because <laughs> I guess my at this point, my sister was gone. So her room was open, I think. I think that's how it, it, it went. And then I left. And then my brothers left one after another. And then my mom just filled up the house, our, our childhood home, with these, uh, no offense, these these dregs of society, some of them were hiding from the law, I think, and some were drug addicts and some were alcoholics. And uh, my brothers tell a great story, not a great story in a, in a fun way, but just a great story where, you know, um, one of the tenants was stealing all their stuff because my brothers are six years younger than me, so they were still in the house. I was long gone at this point, probably starting my uh, radio career. And, you know, their nice brand new shiny bikes would all of a sudden be gone and this and other things would be gone. And it turns out one of the people that was living in the house, when my brothers, you know, uh, was a drug addict and he needed money. So he was like stealing shit all over the place and selling it so he could get his drugs and probably so he could uh, pay my mom the rent. And then I would uh, come home from college to see everybody and I would all of a sudden be having breakfast with these people <laughs> like who are you what why are you here and my mom's like oh yeah you can't uh, 
you can't sleep in your room uh, because blah blah now uh, lives there. I'm like, oh, that's great. But you know, when blah blah was doing whatever and he was out, I would go in the room and I would see, you know, this was my room with my high school memories. Me and my buddies would grab a case of beer and just sit in my room and drink all these lovely memories. I look up where I used to have my beer cans. I saw the holes in the wall and the the wallpaper, not really holes, but where I pe- would peel back the wallpaper to hide money from my mom because she always wanted my caddy money. All these wonderful memories flooding back. And then I would look at the, the rug and there would be burn marks on my rug. I'd go downstairs. I'm like, well, I might as well have a bowl of cereal. So then I get my bowl and my, my spoon and I would go like this to get the first scoop. And I would like, the hell? My spoon is all burnt. I go, mom, your your spoon is burnt, and she's like, "What? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's like four or five of them. They're burnt. I don't know. Maybe there's something wrong with the dishwasher. Like, no, there's smoking crack up in my old room. Oh, that's crazy. Big burn marks on the spoons. Even her decorative spoons that she collected from all the tourist traps around America." And then, um, I don't know much about this one, but uh, true, they had a tenant that OD'd in the woods where we used to have our tree fort. <laughs> I, I got to get my brother on this, uh, Brett, who owns F.H. Riley's in East Northport nowadays. I think he was the one that sa- literally saved this girl's life. She's like just pretty much dead in the woods. I don't know why he decided to like go up in the woods, but he did. Maybe he had a... Maybe he had a hunch or maybe he saw her kind of stagger up into the woods. I think it was a girl. It might have been a dude. No, I think it was a girl. And she's out. She's done. My brother's now in the middle of the woods where we used to play army and have dirt ball fights. And our old tree fort's sitting there rotting away. And under the tree fort is this this uh, tenant of, of ours or, or of, of my mom's. Just D-E-A-D, basically, and he brings her back to life. He's just a kid. He's still living in my parents' house. There are others. There was the guy that um, was convinced my brother was a, a CIA agent. Every time my brother came over. Now, now at this point, my brother's out of the house. But he would come by a lot to make sure my dad was doing all right and my mom's doing all right. And, you know, if he had a couple hours, he would try to do some things around the house. And this really paranoid guy at this point was living there. My brother tells this story so great. If my brother would just go on stage with this story, he'd be a really good stand-up. He's uh, he's fooled around with stand-up a little bit here and there. But, man, when he gets going telling his stories, God, are they the best. But basically, this guy was so paranoid. He was living in one of the rooms. He kept looking at Brett, and he was convinced he was CIA or FBI. And he would follow Brett around when Brett was in in the house because he just knew something was not right. And Brett's like, I'm their son. I'm their son. So uh, fast forward after this goes on for a while, my brother's doing some uh, handyman work around the house. He's in the attic and he puts his foot through the sheetrock. You know how you do that every once in a while? Cause you, you get stupid when you're walking around in an attic and you're like, Oh, I think I could step on this to get over there. Cause you know, you're trying to, trying to work your way around. And next thing you know, his left foot goes through the sheetrock and makes a hole. He's like, ah, man. And so he looks into the hole, like to see the damage. 
And the guy that's convinced my brother is CIA or FBI is staring up at him and basically is like, I thought so. You are CIA. <laughs> he, thought, he thought Brett purposely poked, uh, poked a hole in the, in the uh, ceiling so he could spy on the guy. Oh, my God. Special Agent, Agent F.H. Riley. Yes. Johnny Gibbons. What's up, brother? Cheers. I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. Well, I mean, the last one was the 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 tragedy of all tragedies. People are like, why don't you write an Opie and Anthony book? Man, I want to write a book about my childhood. I want to I want to write a book about my dad ditching old cars like they were pets. Every time one of the family cars would go, he didn't want to spend the money uh, getting rid of it properly, so he would just dump it off at places. All of a sudden, our car would be gone. And he's like, ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We get a new car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, as he got older, he got a little lazier. So um, right up the street from where we lived, there was like the first strip mall. I think it used to be a restaurant. So this uh, this huge parking lot would just kind of sit there with no business there at all. And uh, he dumped our uh, our uh, our car there. It had the Geneseo sticker on the bumper. He just dumped it there in this parking lot. So I would drive by that. And my other brothers would drive by that. And we'd call out my dad. I'm like, Dad, that's our car. He's like, oh, no, it's not. He would just say, no, it's not. And I would go, the Geneseo bumper sticker is still on. Because, no, that, nah, that's not. A lot of people go to Geneseo. It was, this car was dumped no less than, how many miles is that? Man, not even two miles. Not even two miles from the house. No, that's not, that's not our car. I'm like, Jesus, Dad. So the last tenant. Now you fast forward. We're all out of the house. The only ones still in my childhood home are my mom and my dad. And their last tenant. They're getting older now. They stopped kind of renting rooms. But they had this one guy that really was very quiet. And he wasn't a problem. So they're like, we might as well take his money. He ain't hurting anyone. We barely see the guy. So he stayed in our house. Man, I don't know. It could have been 10 years. Barely came downstairs, kept to himself. So then my dad dies in that car accident right in front of our house uh, in 2004. I went over that whole thing recently. So now uh, it's just my mom in the house. My mom's like uh, Suffolk County police uh, were just here. And they went into Blah Blah's room, you know, the room that my mom was uh, renting to this guy. Story goes, our last tenant took his life, parked his car on the train tracks. This is why I have to write the story. And then this would be the last story, I think. Because I think a lot of these family stories have to revolve around that house with the car crashes in front of it. Um, anyway, he takes his own life. He, uh, he, uh, he parked his car on the tracks in Green Lawn. I'm sure you could probably look up the old story. And he left a note on the windshield where he lived. And uh, so when the, the police got there, they found the note and uh, it led them to my my uh, my childhood home. And they went through his room and found some kind of uh, note to his loved ones. And, and that's how it all ended. The last tenant took his life on the tracks in Greenlawn, Long Island. Oh, my God. That was horrific. And then we... 
then we quickly got my mom out of that house. We're like, you know, maybe it's time to move on. Are you not entertained? There you go. I am fried chicken. There you go. Hey, I want to thank Blue Chew for being part of this podcast for a really long time. It's greatly appreciated. And it's appreciated that you're supporting the sponsors like Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. And you can try it for free right now by using the promo code OPIE, O-P-I-E, at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping. Yeah, you can take them anytime, day or night. So you can plan ahead. We want to plan ahead sometimes, right? Of course we do. The process is simple. This is what you do. You sign up at BlueChew.com. You consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. Discreet packaging. You don't have to go to the doctor's office. You don't have to wait online at the pharmacy. Everything is done all nice for you. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help you out. And we've got a special deal for you. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code OPIE at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code OPIE to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. Promo code OPIE, O-P-I-E, at BlueChew.com to try it for free. The Cloverfield Monster is behind you. Oh, damn. Are they, Joseph? That stupid movie to this day bothers me because it, 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 it had such potential. But then they did that shaky camera footage that made everybody sick in the movie theater. Does anybody remember this? And I saw Cloverfield with Patrice. He is laughing his ass off like a lunatic. He's talking to the screen in a good way. Everyone's laughing because he made it way more entertaining than than that movie was. And then uh, I've told this story, but uh, then there was a a very famous. I, I I always forget his name now, but he's a very famous movie reviewer. Works locally here in New York, and uh, and at the end of the movie, Patrice said something like, "I don't know, that sucked," or "Skip it," or "That stinks." <laughs> and this movie reviewer, because he was taking it very seriously, he had his pen and pad. He was writing all his notes for his review that was going to appear in one of the local papers. And <laughs> and we were there just watching and just having fun with the whole experience. But I guess it's his job. <laughs> and so Patrice Lally says, that stinks. That movie sucked. Whatever. I wish I could remember the exact quote. And the guy stands up, lean, leans down to Patrice and goes, no one asked you. And what do you think Patrice did? Patrice just looks up like this, points at him, and just goes, ah! <laughs> starts laughing at him. And the guy, the guy takes his stupid pen and pad and marches off and leaves the theater. Oh, he was so mad. The Voyeur bus uh, was this thing where these girls were just would just roll around in a bus, and I, 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 I believe they were they were topless because it was like legal or something. And I forgot at this point what they were promoting. Um, but 
we took over the Voyeur bus, the Opie and Anthony show, and uh, Lewis Black was on there, and Jim Norton, and uh, and uh, it was a spectacle. And we're broadcasting live from the bus. Me and Anthony are back in the studio, and we took over. I, I'm no joke. We took over Manhattan for the afternoon. I mean, there were that was the first time we took over Manhattan for the afternoon. But um, people were. We would announce like, "All right, now it's going down Fifth Avenue," and people would run out of their um, their jobs. We had a mass. I mean, a massive audience. So we would announce the buses going down Fifth Avenue. It's, it, the Voyeur bus, like they had giant windows, like the whole top was just glass. Think, think like a tour bus. And then they got they got stripper poles in there and music and a light show. And we would announce it's going down Fifth Avenue. Everyone would run out of their their offices to check out the Voyeur bus. It was crazy. We were we were blocking traffic, and for whatever reason, they made up. I don't even know how they did it because there were barricades all over the place. The next thing you know, the the Voyeur bus was uh, on a road all by <laughs> all by themselves. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they did it, but they did. <laughs> And the, the road was shut down. You know how hard it is to shut down a road in Manhattan? They only do it for, like, presidents, basically. <laughs> and, and it's just tooling down this road by itself. People are on the sidewalks because they're waiting for something else, and that would be Clinton's motorcade. And they're just pretty much clueless. Girls are topless. People are taking pictures. They're on the road by themselves. Next thing you know, they get, I don't know, a couple blocks up the road. And all hell breaks loose. The whole NYPD, it seemed like, stopped the bus. And it was, guys, this is the scary thing about the NYPD. You got the regular officers. Then you start seeing NYPD guys that look like they're from a Star Wars movie. They got shit on them. You're like, wow, that guy is important. And a whole bunch of those guys start piling out of vans and cars. And they were not having it because... We we made them look bad by accident, which sucks because we love the NYPD or or certainly back in the day. No, I love them to this day, but you know what I mean for the story. And they arrested, I mean, everybody. And we didn't get arrested because we were back in the station. And we sat in our office for hours waiting for the guys to get out of jail. And Jim was in jail and uh, Louis Black and a few of the other guys the girls. And at this point, Lewis Black was a big fucking deal on Comedy Central and a really good friend of ours. He he was a guy that never blew us off. Um, he was a guy that, even though he was really, really famous, he was still doing whatever he could for our show. I'll never forget that about Lewis. And he finally comes through the door into our office, and I immediately, like, I just threw myself at his feet like, I'm so sorry. He's a, he was a big deal. He still is a big deal. But he was, he was on Comedy Central and uh, getting, getting some really good airtime with his rants. And I'm like, I am so sorry. I'm like just pleading, please, please, please forgive me, you know, that type of thing. And he looks at me, and I'll never forget. He goes, are you kidding me? This is, this is great for my career. And he, you know. He played off that for the next uh, few years in the comedy clubs and whatnot, and he actually was not mad, even though he, he spent he spent uh, <clears throat> man, I don't know how many hours they spent. I feel like they might even have uh, uh, spent the night. I'm trying to remember. 
I think there might have been a point that we had to give up on them and go home for a little bit. I, I'm trying to remember the whole thing, but I, they weren't there just for a couple hours. Oh, I think what it was, I think it was a Friday. Okay, it's coming back to me. I think we were really worried that they would have to spend the whole weekend because it was a Friday. Yes, and they took them to the tombs, which is uh, legendary here in New York City. And then, um, and then I think they got out really really late Friday night and they didn't have to spend the weekend that I think that's how the story goes and Lewis came through that office and I'm begging for forgiveness and he was like you kidding me this is awesome uh those waves crashing into the beach are so peaceful James Banks if you only knew you know I'm gonna even do that later this is what I do I take a blanket and a pillow I get close to the waves Although these birds chirping are pretty cool. I hope uh, I hope uh, I, I shut my mouth enough so you can hear a couple birds chirping. Um, and I'll just I'll just lay on the beach, take a little nap near the waves, do a little meditating, not a care in the world. All this nonsense online and all this garbage going on. I shut it all off. Lay on a pillow. As my grandma used to say, do you have your pillow? I got my pillow, grandma. I sure do. And I miss drinking beers out of your tap out there in Wading River, Long Island. I would take my pillow and my blanket and just lay near the ocean and just chill the F out. Although I can't because this stupid dog is needy. So he'll be at the house howling and barking like, why, are, why am I not with you? Can you give me a moment to myself? But I will try. I will try to lay my head on a pillow and just uh, chill out and listen to the waves. Hell yeah. That's what I'll do. Last story. My grandma, so uh, she had a beach house. Chad says pillows. It's a pillow. Um, so my grandma had a beach house in Waiting River. That's probably why I, I do this. Uh you know, I, I, I love being near the water. My dad's dream was to be near the water, so I'm living his dream. He never got there. And when I was working at BAB, I, I would take detours. I would start at night. And at this time, my grandma was a lot older. I think she was about 80. She made it to 92. Might have been a little older than 80. And uh, people weren't going to the beach house as much because people were growing up and stuff, you know. As young families, we all were out there every single weekend. You would pull up. And you get excited to see which cousins were there, which uncles were there. Oh, it was just awesome. Absolutely awesome. When I think of my childhood, I think of Wading River, uh, Long Island, and my grandma's beach house. And we would go almost every weekend. And if we didn't go on the weekends, we were so bummed because we knew our cousins were having the times of their lives running around that beach, swimming out to the raft, doing some fishing getting on one of my uncle's boats to check out porpoises and dolphins. Um, maybe they were just dolphins. Anyway, and then we'd have the bonfires. Then we'd sit on the shoreline and watch the sun go down because on the North Shore, the sun goes down perfectly over the water in the summertime. The way to my gig at BAB, um, I would do a detour, go to the North Shore and go see my grandma on a Friday usually and sit there. And she had a tap. Wasn't a big drinker, but she had that for everybody that was visiting her mostly. But she would have a beer every once in a while. And she would just take two, ah, two mugs out of the freezer, ice cold, 
just go like this with the tap, one for me, one for her. She would sit in a rocking chair looking over the uh, the Long Island Sound, and we didn't even really talk much. We would just sit there, just sipping our beers, just chilling out, looking at uh, the sun go down over the Long Island Sound, having a brew with Grandma. And then I would be like, all right, I got to go. And then I would, uh, you know, jump in my car and uh, go to BAB to do my gig. God, I love that memory. I live for sunrises and sunsets. Hell yeah, man. I, I think I've, I've, I, people make fun of me for my, uh, my, my sunrises and sunsets. I don't film them, as, film them and take pictures as much as I used to. But it goes back to those moments at my grandma's beach house in Wading River for real, man. So when I see a sunset or a sunrise here, it brings me right back to being on that beach with my brothers and sisters and my uncles and my aunts and my cousins and my grandma. So, you know, I'm lucky. I got those moments. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, man, Wayne, you have a great day. All right, brother. And thank you. Wayne's been a supporter for a very, very long time. And I appreciate the people that support me. Boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo. <laughs> 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 <laughs>